Today, we are going to flip the script. Instead of me having someone on the Stories of Attraction podcast and interviewing them, I was on someone else's podcast and was interviewed. I had to share the discussion with you. Uh, this conversation took place on a podcast called Heartbeat for Hire. Enjoy this episode. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. I'm bringing you a special storyteller today. Matt Zahn is an award-winning speaker and storyteller who empowers business leaders to inspire their teams and clients to action through the art of strategic storytelling. Matt's past engagements in the private sector have catalyzed radical sales increases for over three hundred organizations that range from financial institutions to the health and wellness industry. In addition to his work in the private sector, Matt has worked with hundreds of politicians to improve the quality and reach of their engagement. Lord knows they need the help. Matt worked closely with these clients on their media and communication strategies, including speeches, campaign messages at the local, state, and national levels to achieve remarkable results. Matt shares his expertise and persuasion with CEOs, executives, and sales professionals who he coaches the art of influence and how to leverage this for profits and impact. I had to cut this down. Matt, welcome to the show. So happy you're here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. So for those that aren't familiar with you, would you give us a little background, a little bit about your story? Sure. So I'm a story strategist, which I work with high achievers. So think C-suite, VPs, authors, politicians, and we really dive deep into how they can influence their audiences. And how did you get your start doing this? Did you Were you born a storyteller? Did you become a storyteller? <laughs> so I love this question because what's interesting is that several years ago, I was the worst communicator you probably would have ever heard. I had major, major anxiety issues. I could barely talk to one person, let alone audiences of people, which is fascinating now because I literally do this for a living today where I speak all over the United States um, and sometimes to very large audiences. So the fact that I do this, it's it's comical to me now. I laugh even to this day. I, I think to myself, how in the world did this happen? So I, I kind of fell into it in a way. I would have said, you know, several years ago, I was the data person, really unpacking numbers. I loved understanding why does one thing happen and looking at spreadsheets and, and how does data points get us to do different things like buying decisions and stuff like that. And I was doing this for the business world for quite some time. And I, my grandfather, and for those of and anyone watching, my grandfather's purple heart is right over here. He gave me his purple heart before he passed away. He received it in World War II. He got half his hand blown off um, in a combat mission. And he was the one that inspired me to get into the political arena. Mm. Um, I stiff-armed this notion for many years with you know major anxiety issues. There's no way I was getting involved, involved in politics. And I started doing what I did for the business world when it came to numbers for different campaigns. So a lot of different research. And basically, one thing led to another after several years and dozens of campaigns. And I started working with different uh, candidates, politicians on messaging strategy. And I started be uh, political speech writing. And then from there, I worked on debate prep. There's a lot of things that we do in the, the debate prep world to get candidates ready. 
And a lot of CEOs were intrigued by this. So I, I established workshops for companies on, hey, here's how you too can persuade and boost sales, enhance marketing, create a vibrant company culture. And it just kind of took off from there. And that is, <laughs> that's what I do now, which again, it's crazy because I, 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 I never I envisioned love, it. I, I love this story for so many reasons, but um, I, lo I love whenever we have an example of someone who's at the peak of their career who overcame something really hard. And social anxiety is no joke. And a lot of people, especially a lot of kids really struggle with this now. But how did you find the strength? How did you find the the guide or the the notion that you were going to take that leap from data to I'm going to teach people how to speak? And speak yourself. Like that's quite a chasm for somebody who's terrified of speaking in front of people. Yeah, it's a great question. So, so my anxiety issues were severe. Um, mm -hmm. So, for anyone listening that has ever battled any kind of social anxiety, I absolutely empathize with you. Uh, mine was severe to the point where I was battling major OCD. And a lot of people view OCD as like excessive hand washing. Right. And I think culturally, a lot of people look at it almost like a like a silly type mental health disorder. Um, I can assure you it's not silly. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into having OCD, uh, one of which being obsessive thoughts. So obsessive thoughts can be an absolute, absolute detriment. Sure. They could also be utilized in a a way that could progress someone. So as an example, I really do believe that my obsession and my curiosity for things have really helped me in my career. So when I started looking at different politicians and asking myself, how does this human being in front of thousands and thousands of people connect with them on that type of level, which started an obsession in me on this is what they do. And I think that really helped me in my career. Now, again, it's, it was very difficult because, again, obsessive thoughts and anxiety and very it was very, very difficult to overcome that. Part of the starting point to overcome that is really changing my perspective when it came to flipping anxiety into excitement. Now, I'm not going to say this is easy. And for anyone listening that does battle OCD, I highly, highly recommend very good counseling. And I, and I mean that sincerely. I will say, though, that there is a way to transition from anxiety to excitement. If you talk to Olympic athletes, a lot of them will never say that they have tons of anxiety and they're nervous. They'll say how excited they are yeah. before they're going into competition. And a big part of that is really focusing on being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. um, there are applications that could help you with this. Uh, Headspace is one of them. Really trying to figure out how do you connect in the present moment so it kind of shuts your mind mind down a little bit. You're not, you know, not scatterbrained a thousand different places. You're literally focusing on that moment to connect. So that was the starting point of transitioning anxiety to excitement. Well, we've had a lot of Olympians on this show, and we've also had several people with OCD and serious mental health issues. So nobody on this audience or this platform thinks that's silly or, um, thinks uh, any worse off. In fact, most of the people that have dealt with these mental health issues have channeled it into something amazing. So um, awesome. congrats to you for, for making that jump, for figuring it out and for repurposing that energy to something that really serves you well. Um, so I just love that. So you get to talk to a lot of leaders. What is What are some character traits that you see that are common with the ones that are doing it the best? So 
I was shocked to find that there is one character trait that I find more than anything else. So this was shocking to me. So first, let me say one of the things that fascinated me over the last few years is traveling all over the country, different industries, different leaders, or I get to, I get to see a lot of people. And a lot of these people I used to put on pedestals. I used to come into an organization and I would look at a CEO that that is running a massive company. And I think this person is on a whole other level. And what's amazing to me, what fascinated me is that every single leader that I have come in contact with has some type of an inferiority complex yeah. in some way, shape or form, yeah. right? So I just want everyone listening to recognize. I don't care who you look at and you say, wow, they're an awesome person. Look at what they're doing. They struggle with something and they have some type of inferiority complex. So that was fascinating to me. What was interesting to me is I was shocked with how many leaders actually are humble. Now, this was a huge change for me because my background is in the political world. I worked with hundreds of politicians and unfortunately, a lot of them have egos that they're they're so big they they fill this room right <laughs> so getting into the business world where you have leaders that are running massive organizations it is surprising to me how many of them are humble so if i would say there's one character trait it is someone recognizing hey i may be phenomenal at a b and c but i really struggle with d and i need help with d so i need to surround myself with great people and listen to them you'd be surprised how common the trait of humility is in the business world that is so refreshing to hear my book just came out last week and we're talking about modern leadership and and why Surrounding yourself with people, I say, that are smarter than you is so important, but all also staying curious and really making sure that you don't project that you know everything. And you're absolutely right. Everybody struggles with imposter syndrome, I think, at every level of every industry, of every space. Um, we all we all do. So it's refreshing to hear that too. So you're exposed to a lot of companies and you know culture is near and dear to my heart. I know it is to you. What are some of the trends that you're spotting with companies that are doing it well and maybe companies that are getting it wrong? Sure. I think a big thing is recognizing that being in one location is not necessarily culture. And I cannot stress this enough. I think after, <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> I think after COVID, there was a huge wake-up call because companies are like, we we don't have bodies in the building anymore yeah. like we did. We don't have culture anymore. And that's ridiculous. I, I think the entire definition of culture is wrong. Mm-hmm. So where I really see companies do this well is companies that don't just focus on company core values, but they focus on company core stories. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is storytelling paints the picture. So if a, if a company says we're a company of integrity, what does that mean? Sure. <laughs> because integrity to a leader's uh, team could be different to them, right? Not... And and I think it's really important to recognize this, that there's stories that exemplify what integrity is, that exemplify what customer service is. And it's sharing these stories and making such an incredible team connection that it doesn't matter where they're working. It doesn't matter if it's fully in person, fully virtual, or a hybrid, they're carrying out that mission. And I think that it's really important to recognize that you can absolutely do this in any location. It is who is tying into this company core stories. Oh, I, I love that you said that. And I think this 
notion of the only way for us to preserve our culture is if everyone's in the building. And that's total nonsense. And the good leaders understand that by providing purpose and providing connection to the people that they work with, they can inspire great culture. And I, I love when we we see those those moments happen. So I'd be crazy if I didn't ask you to share some stories. You're a storyteller. So pick a pick a topic, leadership, culture, resilience. Give us something good. You you've got so many. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there there's a ton to pull from. I think there's one thing, as soon as you said that, the first thing that came to my mind is what I'll share with you. Okay. I, I was speaking out in, in Austin, Texas, and there was a gentleman that was in one of my workshops and we get through the workshop and typically depending on when my flight is, you know, I'll try to stand around and shake hands. Sometimes I'll be able to, to catch lunch with people after a workshop, but sometimes depending on my flight, I try to get out of there, right? Because I got to get to, to the airport. Because if anyone listening has traveled recently, traveling is not a luxury experience. No. Nope. Nope. So I'm in Austin and I get done with this workshop and I'm walking out to my car and a gentleman in the workshop who is a very, very successful CEO, okay, very, a large team of people has done incredible work, unbelievable contracts, has worked with some pretty incredible human beings. He blocks me before I get to my car. And he shakes my hand and he literally starts sobbing. Okay. Now, this is a grown man that runs a massive organization and he is literally sobbing. And I, I, I basically shake out my hand. He hugs me. He bear hugs me. And he said, I realize now more than ever before, I need to share my story. Oh. And the background behind this gentleman is he is an immigrant that came to the United States. He literally was homeless when he got to the United States and he had two children. So he was a single father with two children. And he said, while he was building his company, he can't tell me how many times it was him and his two kids in the back of his pickup truck. Okay. So they're driving around. He's doing everything he can to build this business. You know, him and his kids are sleeping in this truck until they were able to find a shelter. And then from there, he just gutted it out and he made it work. And now he runs a massive organization. And the thing that was really important to him is he had an element of shame based on his story. He had an element of shame because he was an immigrant. He had an element of shame because his kids slept in his, his truck for so long. He had an element of shame because he really, he viewed himself almost as an inferior human being, which is so sad. And then he becomes wildly successful, but he's still living in this world of shame. And then when he realized that his story could empower so many more people, so many more immigrants that want to come to the U.S. and make a better life for themselves, so many people that they have a dream and they want to build something bigger, right? He has this ability to connect on an even more powerful level with his employees, with the community that he serves. And it was wild. I remember after this, we got done. I, I, you know, said my piece with them, trying to encourage him even more to share his story. I got in my car and I called my wife and I said, listen, I just have to share this with you because sometimes traveling is tough and I travel yeah. way too much. So sometimes it could be daunting. And I just called my wife and I was like, listen, this is why I do what I do. Like, this is why I do what I do. And it was it was an awesome experience. I mean, he's the perfect podcast guest for this show. I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is... 
this is something that I believe in so, so wholeheartedly. And this is why I built this Sell Me Your Story workshop with Ashley Pereira. We teach people to take the worst thing that's ever happened to you and turn that into your power. We don't focus on the car crash. You focus on the growth. You focus on the outcome. And that pain drove you to do something incredible. And sure. I love that he shared that with you. And I love that he figured out that he needs to share it because his people at his company are going to respect him so much more once he tells that story to them. So, oh, I love that. That's so great. And how gratifying for you. It's one It's one of those stories that like, I literally have to keep in my mind constantly because when it does get tough and when you know, when the red eyes, cause I take way too many red eyes. So sleep deprivation and, you know, all the delayed flights, I have to remind myself of stories like that, that this is why I'm doing this, yeah. even though sometimes it can be tough to just keep, keep, keep pushing forward. Oh my God. I love that. So you have a concept um, called story bank. What is a story bank? Great question. Story bank is a way to document stories and basically to strategically utilize those stories to achieve your goals quicker. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by that? It's literally a way to set up a story bank that you could refer back to. Now, for your listeners, this could be whatever works for them. Okay. This could be Apple Notes. This could be Google Docs. This could be OneNote. This could be on a CRM. This could be on Otter. Otter AI is a great op application for, for banking stories. But basically, when a story happens, you would literally document the story and then utilize it when you need to utilize it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as an example, my wife has a birthday the same day every year. <laughs> <laughs> Her birthday is May 5th, right? It shouldn't come as a surprise to me. Every May 5th, my wife has a birthday. So on May 5th, in my story bank, I have a story about how my wife was there for me at my lowest point. I share that story. Sometimes I'll tweak the story, but I share that story on my wife's birthday. Okay, so I'm utilizing my story bank to share a story that I've already written. And I always recommend to people, if you're spending the time building out a story, why not get residual benefits off that story? There's yeah. ways that we could tweak stories to work again and again and again for us. It's a, it's a way that we could pull those stories out. I, I love that concept. I mean, I'm a massive storyteller and there's stories throughout my entire book. So I don't think I was consciously putting them in a story bank, <laughs> but I kind of did. And sure. it's, it is so helpful. I mean, to me, as I'm teaching leaders to be able to illustrate a point with a story, it makes it so much more impactful rather than talking at someone about a concept or a theory. Um, so I, I love that. So what are some of the topics that people are hiring you to speak on? Big, big thing is sales, marketing, mm -hmm. company culture. Those are the big three. Mm -hmm. uh, internal communication has actually been very big recently because mm -hmm. I think a lot of leaders want to inspire their teams. So this is preparation for staff meetings. Yeah. You know, it's wild to me. And I want everyone listening to this, that you do have teams of people I want you to think, what is the reaction that your team gets when you say, hey, we're going to have a staff meeting? More than likely, it's like an eye roll or it's, oh, we got to do this again. That is a really bad place bad. to be in. 
Like they should be excited to come and have collaboration and connect and exchange ideas. Like what a, what a better way to spur on creativity and organization to have staff meetings that are inspiring and people want to do more. Yeah. A big part of that is the prep work that a leader has going into those meetings. Mm-hmm. So I've been working with a lot of leaders on here's how you prepare for a staff meeting. Here's how you build out a story bank prior to it happening. And these are the different elements that you must focus on. So that's been, that's been huge recently. I love that. I think that's so smart. And I don't know that that many leaders are really thinking about prep before a staff meeting. They're usually thinking about their agenda and they're thinking about the things they need to accomplish, but they're not necessarily thinking about stories or ways to convey their points. Um, So I think that's great. I, I always love using the analogy of when your boss calls do the hairs on your neck stand up? Or are you excited to take the call? And it's the same kind of concept. You know, are you excited for the staff meeting or no? It's it's the same thing. And if you're really rolling your eyes and feeling gross about your boss, you might need a change in job unless they're going somewhere. So, <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So speaking of inspiring, what inspires you? Family inspires me. I have some incredible friends that inspire me. Uh, so family has been very big. I, I've just been amazed with how technology can accelerate the learning ability in children. Now, a lot of, a lot of things are out there now with technology being detrimental to kids. And there, there is something to be said about that. But so I have three children. I have a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a five-year-old. Um, my nine-year-old is obsessed with marketing videos on YouTube. So if I let him, he will literally watch marketing videos for hours a day if I let him. And he he actually wrote a five-page paper for me recently, unpacking every element, every element of my business that he found and giving me suggestions on how I can make my company better. Oh, my God. This is my nine-year-old, by the way. Yeah. So he, he very much inspires me because yeah. I... I take him on the journey with me. I think one of the coolest things for me is when I'm writing out my goals, I'm bringing my family on board and saying, hey, you know, here's the starting point. Here's what's going to need to happen. Here's the sacrifice, but here's the reward Mm -hmm. and taking them on the journey. And then it's kind of scary how my kids will regurgitate back to me the different things that I said. And what a motivator, right? Because they're like, they're looking at me saying, you said, (laughs) and now you need to deliver. So that's what inspires me. (laughs) I I love that. I, I, every time I think I, I have teenage twins and every time I think they're not listening and I overhear a conversation with my daughter who's saying verbatim what I said to a friend like it's all her own idea I'm like oh she's listening that's pretty cool but it's also dangerous because you can say some pretty stupid stuff so that's awesome um what would you like your legacy to be what like my legacy to be wow what a powerful question I fully believe my purpose is connectivity. I am obsessed with the ability to connect with other people. Mm. I love connection. So from a legacy perspective, I want people that are in decision-maker decisions that can have a massive impact on the world around them to take the different concepts that I'm sharing and utilize them to connect better with others. Mm. Well, take some of that and apply it to the politicians going into this massive campaign because I think there's not enough connection happening. And that's a place where we need more of it. I think the humanity in this country 
does really want people to compromise and connect and this whole us versus them thing. I think the general populace is pretty tired of it. So work your magic, Matt, would you? <laughs> we need awesome. help. So let me let me say this. I, you yeah. didn't ask the question, but I'll share. Please. So I I am extremely optimistic for the future. Good. I behind the so there is a lot of nonsense I've seen behind the scenes, but the overwhelming majority of things are agreed upon. Believe it or not, it's mm-hmm. it's the the small percentage that is not agreed on that the yeah. news really pushes out there for clickbait purposes, right? Because news is is right. a business. We don't really have investigative journalism like we did, so it's really based on sponsorships and advertising dollars. So uh, the sensational things really sell. Uh, a very emotionally driven fear type articles right. and news stories sell. Uh, so behind the scenes, though, I'm a lot more optimistic than people may believe. Um, and I, I hopefully that is is encouraging to people listening yeah. that there are strong institutions. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens where there's so many times where I'm like, the system's going to break and it hasn't broken. Um, so I would say that I'm very optimistic for the future. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. We we really, we need to hang on to that and believe that in order to really keep our country intact. I mean, I think there's a lot at stake with people really feeling threatened by each other just by their existence. And that is not how the majority of the country feels or wants to feel. So um, that gives me hope too. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So if you had to give any parting advice for someone who is an aspiring speaker, what are some of the the words of wisdom you'd want to share? I would say the notion of a story has a beginning, middle, and end. Throw that notion out the window. Don't focus on that in the beginning. Uh, that was a huge detriment to me early on. You know, I had professors, like I'm sure a lot of people listening to this episode, the stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sure. The problem is it's agonizing to build a story from start to finish, or at least mm-hmm. create it from start to finish. And I recommend building it out like a puzzle. Okay. So the foundation is an emotion. So you pick an emotion, whether it's fear, surprise, you know, whatever the emotion is going to be, that is the starting point upon which the story is built. Right. So from there, you start building out the story and then you can go have your intro and your clothes, mm. but you need, need to look at it like a puzzle piece, not like you're writing an email. I think if people were to, to latch onto the creative essence of just start with an emotion, start talking, start getting out some ideas, then you can go back and build the structure. Don't start with the structure from, from the start or it's going to be a lot more agonizing than you may realize. I love that you said that. And I, I think our the best episodes on this show have that very critical element. There's this bit of emotion that makes the listeners really want to hang on and, and understand what happened next and what inspired them or moved awesome. them to make make a change in whatever they were doing. So yeah, you're right on. And that's so rewarding for me to hear. So nice. um, so Matt, how do people find you? So then go to my website, Stories of Attraction. I also run a podcast called Stories of Attraction. They can check me out there. So just go to storiesofattraction.com and you will find all my information right there. And it's a great show. I was on it a while ago. I loved being on it. You're a great interviewer. Um, so guys, please check out his podcast. Please check out Matt. Um, and if you need to learn how to tell stories or sell stories, look for Matt because he'll tell you what to do. But uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Stay tuned for more and take care. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.